0: everybody welcome to busy living sober oh my gosh i'm a day late isn't that the old saying day late and dollar short how is everybody this week i hope everybody's doing well and if you're sober i hope give yourself a round of applause because it's a pretty awesome thing i want to be say a big thank you to my friend lisa who's up north and gave me a great topic And I'm really also excited because I always love to have J.F. here because I think he's really wise and he's got great stuff to share. Let's all say hi to J.F. Hey, J.F. Hi. Oh, you're humble? He has a t-shirt that says humble and he just like took a... (laughs) Pointed to his shirt and he's like, I'm really humble. Are you humble?
1: I just wanted to point out how humble I am.
0: Oh, really? Are you humble? (laughs) How humble are you today, J.F.?
1: It says it in great big letters on my T-shirt, so I must be very humble, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's the exact opposite of humility. It's like wearing it on your shirt, to be completely honest. But anyway.
1: When I bought the shirt, I asked the guy that, uh, I said, if you wear this shirt that says humble, does that mean you can possibly be humble?
0: And what was his answer?
1: He's like, I don't really care. It's 20 bucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, back to our topic today.
1: What is our topic?
0: Our topic today is a really, really, really amazing topic and it's a really tough topic and it's a really hard thing to talk about, but we're going to go there. And that topic is from a good friend up north named Lisa and Lisa said, reached out to me and she said, what do you do when you have a really good friend that you know has a problem with alcohol and drugs and how she knows? is because in his previous life, he didn't drink that much. And then he got a good job and he started making a lot more money. He got married and now he's getting divorced. He doesn't show up for things he used to show up for. I mean, he's changed completely. He no longer even has the job that made a lot of money. He lost the job too. And he doesn't show up for his friends like he used to. And this is a friend that they really care about. And so she said to me, what do you do when you have somebody that you really care about and you're like, oh my gosh, I see them going down this, this very scary path. He has a newborn baby. He has a wife. Now they're going to get divorced. And it's like, what does she said? What do I do? So I want to get your opinion, then I'm going to give my opinion. But I think this is, so if you're out there and you have somebody that's around you that's battling addiction and you're like, what do I do? It's a really tough place to be in when you're sitting there and you're going, oh my gosh, I know there's something up, but what do I do? Because what are our boundaries? And, you know, it's not always comfortable to talk about these things. So what do you think?
1: Well, luckily you have two options and that's it. Option one is do nothing and option two is do something. So it's not that difficult. You just have to decide what you're going to do. Now, if you choose to do something, well, then there's a lot of different things that you could do, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you could go to all the trouble to, uh, you know, orchestrate an intervention and try to get the person whisked whisked off to...
0: Okay, wait a minute. Go back into... Go into more... um Tell us what that means to like go in, to do an intervention, if you would, or if you don't want to give the whole description, I could go into it, but if you want to go from your point of view, what it, tell us what is do, what is that? Well, what is an intervention?
1: Um, <clears throat> my understanding is, you, uh, if I were to to try to orchestrate an intervention on somebody, I would um, first of all, I would find it a rehab and talk with the rehab and uh, a, any good rehab. Now, you're talking to people up in Pennsylvania, so we'll use Karen for the example. Um, Karen? The people
0: that are in the north. It's, Karen is in Warnersville, Pennsylvania, and it's a wonderful facility, and they can actually send somebody to a
1: facilitator. Right. So they'll, they'll, you'll talk to them. They'll send somebody. Um, they will orchestrate it. They will get together with friends and family members and all that beforehand, and, um, and I think their success rate is, is pretty decent. So you know that's that's one way that you can go about it. Um, you know, another way you can go about it is just confront the person. Wait,
0: a minute, I want to go back. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been part of a, uh, a intervention?
1: I I'm just thinking about it. I I was in part of a, a intervention that went very poorly, um, and that was it. Just one time, and the person that was. Being intervened upon uh, was not in uh, a frame of mind to be willing to listen at all, and uh, basically just walked out, and that was that. There was no intervention.
0: Okay, because I've been part of an intervention where the person walked out as well twice. I've been in one, and the person of wa- the people have walked away. So my odds at getting people to. Um, to re- treatment have not been very good. I mean, I know that there are really good people out there that don't have the don't have the same experiences that we do. But having an intervention is tough because for one you have to have people that are going to get together. You have to f- have a facilitator that be a therapist or there are people that actually you can hire that just do interventions. And um, if you want to reach out to me, I can point you in that direction. But there are people that that's literally their job and they have a way better success rate than somebody like me or you who doesn't really isn't a professional at doing it.
1: Right. And I have to say the one that I did, there was professional interventionist there and it still didn't work. (laughs) It didn't? No.
0: So tell us about it.
1: Well, there was nothing to tell. i say the person was not ready to listen. And so they left. You know, you can't hold them You can't hold somebody against their will This person was very aware of that And said it many, many times You cannot hold me against my will, I'm leaving And that was that So, then it was a room full of people Sitting around With nothing to do So, if it were me I probably would just If it was my friend I would just, I would approach that person myself And just say, you know you have a problem, and uh, you know if you want some help with it, I'm perfectly willing to help you out, steer you in the right direction, whatever you need. But just let them know that I know that they have a problem, um, you know, and I, I don't think I could do too much more than that.
0: Did the person that you tried to intervene on, did they ever get sober?
1: Um, I have no idea. I've lost touch with that person. So, the last, it, I, the last I knew, the answer was no. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's tough. It's a really, really hard thing. I can tell you that I did one with a family, and the person got up and locked away and said, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm not going. And it's um, it's a really tough place to be. Yeah. I can tell you that for me, personally, when I was getting sober, I... I had a friend. Well, it wasn't when I was getting sober. It was when I was still using. I had a friend that actually came up to me and told me that she was scared. She said, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your drinking. I don't like how drunk you get. I don't like how because again, I was a blackout drinker and I would go in and out of the blackout. So I would stop talking. I'd start to, I mean, I would start mumbling my words. I wouldn't be present. It was like, I guess I had that glass overlook that if someone that's in addiction gets. And I have to say that that planting of that seed and then again, somebody planting another seed a couple months later, a complete stranger who said I was an alcoholic, who called me an alcoholic to my face, that really kind of sealed the deal until I finally woke up one day and was like, I was ready to do this. I think it's really hard to get another person sober. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. um, It's, yes, I would agree with that 100%. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm like you. I'm sure there was plenty of people that were alarmed at my drinking and let me know. Um, You know, and eventually somehow, some way that's, that... You know, it's it, it soaked in and, uh, you know, and I apparently got the message. <laughs>
0: so I think it's not about, for me at least, it's not about instantaneous gratification, right? So we're not going to go and get somebody sober right away. It just doesn't, it, That I think the odds of that happening are probably one in a hundred that somebody actually goes and says, yes, I want help. I think more people than not say, no, I don't want the help. And I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I haven't really lost anything except for myself. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm happy drinking. I don't want to do anything different. I think that, um, I think it takes a lot of courage. And I said this to my friend Lisa, and I said to her, her husband, you know, it's her husband's friend. And I said, if he cares about this guy, I think he needs to say something. Mm-hmm. And knowing darn well that if you say something, I also know this, I have said things to people. When I was first getting sober, I had one of my best friends that I grew up with in St. Louis, a dear, dear, dear friend. I love her to death, and we've known each other our whole lives. And I told her that she had a drinking problem. And that was 12. I had one year sobriety when I told her that. That was 12 years ago. That was the last time I spoke to her.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: She definitely did not want to hear that I thought she had a drinking problem. She, in fact, got so angry, she said, I'm never talking to you again. I hate your guts. You're a horrible person. I never want to talk to you again. And that was the last time I spoke to her.
1: Right. I get it. You know, and maybe, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of things sort of happen, like how you present the situation to somebody, you know. So... I, I maybe it's easier to tell somebody, you know, hey, I'm really worried about, I'm worried about you, like what your friend told you, instead of saying, hey, you have a drinking problem, yeah, and you better do something about it. Yeah, it's really, that can really, you know, the people can kind of dig their heels in on that. Nobody likes to hear bad stuff about themselves,
0: even though a lot of times they already know, right? Well, sure,
1: absolutely, or on some level they probably do. I mean, let's face it. A bad haircut is a bad haircut. There's nothing you can do about it, right? (laughs) Wear a hat, I guess. So you know, I know, I knew, you knew on some level. It just was, you had to get to that point where you were ready to do something about it. And I think, like, if your friends are saying to you, I'm worried about you, you seem to have a problem. And, uh, you know, and maybe if they follow that up with some, you know, with some some kind and loving boundaries, maybe that helps out. And when I say kind and loving boundaries, I'm like, you know, I, if you're gonna be, you know, under the influence of whatever this person does, you know, we love you, but we will not be around you anymore while you're doing that. You know, that's perfectly fine and and acceptable and, and reasonable.
0: Totally, and so if they didn't go and do, so the first suggestion is doing an intervention.
1: Well, this, that's an option. That's, that's it's an a, option. not a suggestion for But it's, a, an option. It's, an option. it's an option. It's an
0: option. And what's another option besides confronting the person and telling them?
1: Well, the other option is just do nothing. You know? I mean, there's always that option. But it, for me, that kind of feels like if it's my friend. That's the coward's way. Right? I need, to, I need to have some sort of a conversation with him. I have to say something.
0: Something's better than nothing. Absolutely. And not... I think saying something without an ulterior motive in your mind, like with no expectations to it, I think is also a better, a key idea. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't, I like you said, my expectation wouldn't be for me to tell somebody, hey, I'm worried about your, you know, your drinking and have them say, you know what? That's, fu- I've been worried about it too. So, you know, do you know where I can get help, can you take <laughs> me there right now? You know? And and the frustrating part is with a lot of people, especially like people that that use drugs. You know, this is my my opinion and my belief is that you know, uh, maybe people use uh, marijuana recreationally, but anything stronger than that, it's not a recreational drug. You know, people do not use heroin recreationally. They don't use cocaine recreationally. It's just it's not. And uh,
0: they don't use opiates.
1: No, it's not. It's not a recreational thing. It's a serious problem. And, uh, you know, you, you, I feel like I, I have to tell them, look, I, that's the one thing I would say is like, you, I'm worried about you and the drugs that you're using are not recreational drugs. It's a problem. It's a serious problem. People are not going to want to hear that m- most likely, but it's what you got to do, right?
0: I mean it's the whole thing, it's like and not doing anything is kind. it's as JF just mentioned, I believe it's a cowardly way to do do it too. I don't think a real friend just sits by and lets another friend like life's implode without saying anything. Even though I had a lot of people around me that did that. <laughs> I had a lot of people around me who never said anything to me and knew I had a problem and just wanted me to be a party person. I don't know if that would have been you would classify them as, and I'm doing air quotes again here as a real friend. Cause a real friend, you know, tells you even the stuff you don't always want to hear, but you know that they love you. And I don't feel like it's a judgmental thing. I think it's just something, I think it's the total differences is, is that when somebody says something to you and you're doing too many drugs or drinking too much, I don't think that comes from a place of ill will, you know, I don't think it does. I think it comes from a place of your heart. Do you agree?
1: Oh absolutely You know I have people in my life That I point out to them On a very regular basis You know I don't like it that you smoke It's not good for you I wish you would stop And I just keep saying it Maybe someday they'll quit And maybe someday they won't Right
0: Well, I agree with you there too. And I think that we have, and we have, I mean, we don't hang out with anybody that's really a heavy drinker that we've had to say anything to or use drugs, that uses drugs. We just don't hang out with people like that anymore because mostly we hang out with people that are trying to get sober. That's what we do. And how someone goes about getting sober, I mean, we both, and we Both have said this. Neither of us really went to treatment, so we just went and we got a seat in a twelve-step room. We did not go to treatment because we both. Well, for you, it was because the legal issues. If you didn't go, you were going to the to the clink.
1: Yeah, I I did. My intervention was from the judge, (laughs) no doubt about it. And and, but you know, and it's but I can apply it. You know, I can try to apply what happened to me in 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 a broader sense was that you know the option was do this or you're or you're really going to have some problems and uh so i i think i can take that attitude and bring it out i'm not a judge obviously um but i can bring it out to somebody that that i know is having a problem is to confront them you know let them know that i'm worried suggest that they get help and and me be willing to you know put up that boundary of whatever it is like I said probably is like I as much as I love you I can't be around you anymore while you're doing this so if you don't get help you know I I can't be around you anymore I'll always be there for you when you need help or when you want help excuse me Um, and and so that's sort of the spirit I think that's the spirit of what happened to me and I can bring that into, you know, other situations. And, and it's kind of like a, a, a non-confrontational way of letting the person know, you know, there's gonna be consequences to your actions.
0: People don't like consequences.
1: Well, consequences generally suck. You know, if you buy the winning lottery ticket, the consequences great right (laughs) exactly but if you get pulled over by the police while you're loaded the consequences are not good you know and people that have like addicts have they don't have good consequences you know that and I know that good things don't happen to addicts no just things just get they are usually mundane things that get worse and worse and worse so the guy lost his job he's losing his family you know, eventually he's going to have a flat tire on his car that he won't fix. And, you know, the house is going to turn into a pigsty and wherever the apartment or wherever he's living in. And those are the consequences. The life just gets worse and worse and worse. It doesn't get better.
0: And when you have enablers, because when we say an enabler, we mean somebody that helps you along. And an enabler is someone that might give those idle threats that you just gave, but don't follow through with them. Right. I mean, that's an enabler yeah
1: yeah i mean uh, it's generally uh, what i learned about enabling was that um you know i was always told enabling is doing something for somebody that they could do for themselves um and a lot of times it seems like well this person is so messed up they can't do anything for themselves but the the fact of the matter is yes they can they're 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 a grown-up adult and they're fully capable of taking care of themselves if they choose to. So it's, at the, you know, it's easy for the enabler to say, well, you know, he doesn't have a job and he needs money, he can't get food, so I'm gonna give him money so he can get food, and of course, that person is not gonna use the money for food, they're gonna use it for whatever their drug of choice is. And uh, you know, the answer to the enabler is, you no, know, the, the person could get money and buy food if they wanted to. They absolutely could, and in fact, if you make them do that, um, it may help them uh, straighten out their situation a lot quicker.
0: I mean, it's true. I think that people that get enabled can be enabled their entire lives, and that's why they never stop doing it. Right? They well, that's a
1: yeah, that's a family dynamic for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, really hard, and I think that it's hard to change. The whole family, what they've been doing for a hundred years, and I think that because addiction runs in families and it runs generationally, if there's always been enablers, why is anybody ever going to get better? Why is the, Why is the narrative ever going to change?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it's tough. You know that from from the work that you do, much the, more, yeah. much more so than I do. You know, it, but it's it's tough. Um, you know, because you've met people that are in their forties and they're living with their parents. And the parents like say, well, they live with me because they are not capable of living by themselves. And the fact is anybody who's in their forties is is capable of living by themselves.
0: Unless you have something really wrong with you. And I understand like if you have a total disability, then of course you're gonna live with your parents. And And I totally commend the parents for keeping someone living in their home if the person legitimately cannot walk or see or hear or they have some major disability that they aren't able to live. But being a drug addict and an alcoholic is not a disability.
1: It's very disabling, but you're right, it's not a disability.
0: It's not a disability. It's not like you can check on a form like, oh, I'm disabled, because you're not disabled. You're just a drunk or a drug addict or an alcoholic. But families want to just coddle their family members rather than... Because I truly believe that if you follow through, and the only reason I believe this is because I've seen it work. If you follow through with the threat rather than make idle threats... Things can change.
1: Right. The problem is, what's so hard is when you're stuck in that situation. So you tell the person, the person says, I need money to buy food. And you say, well, I'm not going to give you any money. And they say, well, then I'm going to kill myself. And you love this person and you're probably a parent and you're probably have had a lot of really scary experiences with this person over a very long period of time and you're like oh my god i have to give him the money and that's the really hard part the the uh the uh the addict is a, generally a complete manipulator and is able to manipulate most situations to get what they want and what they want is their drug of choice that's it you know so it's a and it's very scary and it's very hard, and I get it, and I get it why a lot of people are like, "It's too scary for me. I'll just the person can we'll let them live with us," and and you always wonder, like, "Gee, I wonder what happens." I guess when the parents die, then the person's really out of luck. I guess I don't know.
0: Well, I wonder if that's why we see so many homeless people sometimes. Is what happens there? It's like the the person stopped and now they're living on the streets.
1: Could be. I don't know. I don't know.
0: But I think that it's a really tough thing to, to go there and tell someone how you're actually feeling and what you're worried about. And it's hard to follow through the whole thing. But I do have to commend all of the actors and actresses because I think, especially in today's world, actors and actresses are definitely reg- regaled. As being wonderful and being like a king or a queen. I mean, back in the day, it was only the king and the queen that were, you know, that everybody put on a pedestal, but now they put actors and actresses on pedestals and look at them as godlike. You know, I think that for me, it's really important not to look at anybody as godlike besides God. We can't put any human being on a pedestal, but the fact that there are people out there that people do put on pedestals that are getting sober, I think is a good thing because I think more and more people are thinking it's okay to ask for help. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think, it, it, I mean, talking about it certainly can't hurt. And that's why I would get right back to the beginning of the conversation is, you know, tell the person how you feel. It's not going to hurt. I mean, what is it? that honesty is the best policy. The truth shall set you free. You know, there's so many cliches, cliches about it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but they're all true. You know, it's really true. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where you talk about the enabling and all that stuff. A lot of people are, they're caught up in the fear. Number one, I believe that anyway. And then there's, you know, shame and embarrassment and everything else that goes along with it.
0: It's amazing. It's, um, it's crazy how scary it is. But when you open up the narrative and you say, you know what, you can talk to me about it. I have to say, being able to have people talk to me about it has given me a lot of gifts. I have to, like me being honest, I mean, it's also been, I mean, I've, I also have had, you know, repercussions because negative repercussions because of the fact that I've told people that I'm sober and I do do busy living sober. I've had negative repercussions that people don't want to invite me to parties. They don't want to invite me to cocktail parties for sure. They don't invite me to certain things anymore that I used to be included in because I'm so out there but also it has also been a reward that people do reach out to me and say this is what's going on in my family and i need help mm-hmm. i mean i will tell one story of a woman that um a, a friend of a friend of a friend in down in uh, atlanta actually was needing to go to treatment and she didn't want to go and now she's there and she's actually about to get out and i think that she's on like on her way and i hope she i want to tell her that we're thinking about her because, um, and I'm thinking about you, my friend, down in Dallas. I wonder if you ever got to a meeting. Anyway, uh, let me know about that. But it's um, it's always um, it's always better. I love what you just said. With the honesty is the best policy, because it really is the best policy. And I think that we sometimes think that we can't be who we are. We want to be chameleons for everybody else, but we don't actually go in and be who we want to need to be for ourselves transparent and own who we are and just realize that loves the answer and love the next person. But if we can't be who we are and we can't reach out for help, then it's kind of like we're a sad society. We, if we're just going to sit here and be just who what everybody else wants me to be, look like everybody else, decorate just like everybody else, just be like everybody else. It's kind of going to be a boring life. Don't you think?
1: (laughs) I guess. I don't know. My life's not boring. I have no idea. (laughs)
0: You do not have a boring life. We do not have a boring life. We are alive and well and we know what's going on and we're there helping other people. And it's always been such a gift to help other people for me. And I know for you too, JF. And it's, you know, I hope that if you're out there and you know somebody that's dealing with this, I mean, take that leap of faith of being honest. I mean, yes, you're going to have to choose your vocabulary carefully, as JF mentioned. I don't think you can come out and say, yo, you know what? You're drunk and I'm not going to be your friend. No, you have to be very kind and loving and maybe write it down prior to saying it. Maybe run it by another friend prior to saying it. But going out there and telling someone how you actually feel is definitely, at the end of the day, a more loving, kind thing than being worried about it and keeping it to yourself. Do you have to elaborate on that?
1: No, I agree with you 100%. You know, and I would just say that, uh, you know, Don't be afraid that you're going to set the person off. Um, You know, you may and you may not. Who knows? You never know what's going to happen.
0: You never know what's going to happen. But until you are open and honest, nothing can change.
1: No. So I would be, uh, my, my advice would always be just confront the person. Let them know how you feel. All the good stuff and all the bad stuff. Let them know how you feel.
0: And if they want to go to treatment, maybe you help them look for a treatment facility because then at that point, you know that they're willing to go and then you've got their insurance information and you can find out actually where will take their insurance, what is, you know, what their options are, what, what viable options they actually have rather than going to all the, because I think some. Yeah, you
1: want to get that involved. Yeah, you know, but remember, you don't want to enable the person either. So you
0: don't want to enable the person, but if you're there and you want to help them, that is not a horrible thing. I can say that I did. My ex husband never listens to this, but I can say this: I did take him to treatment, and he has been sober ever since. So that I am very grateful for. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, we're all on this journey together. We have to love one another. We have to be there for each other. We can't lie. We can't cheat. We can't steal. You know, those are just the basic you know, morals of life, the code of ethics that we should all walk around with. So if you're, care- if you're worried about your friend and you need to tell them, and if you have to set a boundary that says, you know what, I'm not going to be around you when you're drinking, you're allowed to do that. But that means you do it. You don't just give idle threats because I don't think idle threats will get you anywhere. I think at the end of the day, you'll be enabling and you will not have moved on any which way. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah, and, it's, and, and the reason why you don't want to hang out with that person is not to punish them. It's just it's for you. It's for your own sanity. Nobody wants to be around that.
0: I love that. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, JF, for doing this today.
1: Sure. You're welcome.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, I'm sorry I'm a day late. I'm a day late. But here you are on Wednesday. And you have our podcast for this week. And if you have any questions, comments, please reach out. You can reach out to me at busy, busy, B-U-S-Y com. You can go to the website at busylivingsober.com. And please know that you are not alone. I promise. I will respond. I will respond. I am answering all questions. So... Um, Lise, thank you for the question. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're thinking about everybody out there. Keep getting busy, living sober. Bye-bye.